Well, I am Pastor Steve. Um, if you don't recognize me, my wife and I and family have been away on sabbatical uh, for many weeks. Uh, we have returned, and I'm so grateful that you allowed me back into the preaching rotation. Um, we had some amazing speakers uh, fill in when I was gone, so I so appreciate each and every one um, of, of them as well. Uh, we had a very relaxing sabbatical. I'm so grateful for Harvest and, and, and other churches that allow their pastors a time of refreshment, a time of rest. That's what the word sabbatical literally means, a time of rest. And so, so grateful for that. So we did come back very uh, relaxed, uh, mission accomplished. And I tell you what, more than ever, we are so grateful to be here in Story City, here at Harvest. It means so much to us. So we're so grateful for our church family. Um, and I must be tired too because I get emotional. So I'm with you, Susan, on that. Um, <clears throat> but if you are here today and you're feeling lonely, we are so grateful that you've joined us here today. Jesus welcomes you here today. If you're here today and your life is just a mess, you feel broken in many different areas, and you really don't know which way to turn Jesus welcomes you here today. We're so glad that you're here with us today. If you're here today and you're afraid, or maybe you have um, uncertainties, uh, medical conditions or, or financial things, maybe wandering kids, Jesus welcomes you here today. We are so glad that you've joined us here today. We are here uh, as a church family, all of us are broken at some level, but we are here because Jesus can fix our brokenness. Jesus can bring healing to our hurts, to our habits, to our hangups. We're so glad that you've joined us here today. Kids, I've got a question for you. I need some help. Can you answer a question for me? Raise your hand. Kids, anybody? Kids of all ages. Okay. Why are rules important in the home? <clears throat> why are rules important? Anybody, any kid want to answer? Why, why do we have rules in the home? So that nobody gets hurt. So nobody gets hurt. That's a great answer. Great answer. What happens if we disobey rules in the home? What happens if we disobey rules in the home? Oh, you don't know. Okay, we'll find someone else. Thank you, though. What happens if we disobey rules in the home? What, what can happen? Anybody? Ooh, got over here. Raise your hand high. What happens if we disobey rules in the home? You get grounded. Yeah, you get grounded. Yeah, I know. I remember one time I disobeyed my mom. I, we were in a mall, and they had those escalators. Anybody here know what an escalator is? It's like a, it's like a stairway that moves by itself. And I know my mom told me, don't run up the down escalator. Well, I'm, I'm six years old. I'm thinking, that's a great idea. And so mom did not think that was a great idea. I think I got a little spanking after that. But, but yeah, we get grounded or we get punished. But why is it important? Why is it important? Do you think, you know, our parents ground us or, or discipline us because they love us? Yeah, I think that's the reason. And we're going to talk more about that today. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. So if you could turn with me uh, to your Bibles, the book of Ephesians in the New Testament. We're going to be in chapter 6. 
here at Harvest, we typically go through books of the Bible. We've been going through the book of Ephesians. We took a break for sabbatical, and now we're picking back up again here in chapter 6. Um, in the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul is reminding us of who God is, of the so many blessings that he has blessed you and I with, who we are in Christ. He's been talking about how he's empowered us through his Holy Spirit and giving everyone a role in the home. When we uh, left off in chapter 5, husbands are to be servant leaders like Jesus, loving and leading in the home, providing the godly environment in the home for the wife and the kids to flourish in their relationship with Jesus. Now, some here today are parents, but everyone here today is someone's child. You are a child of someone. Children are a blessing, I would say a, sometimes a complicated, expensive blessing, right? Sinners like we all are, children need to be brought up in the Lord. Paul here writes that children are to obey their parents while they are living in the home. That's the implication here when he mentions children and to honor their parents throughout their entire lives. We're going to talk about that. Today we're going to talk about the vital role that parents, especially fathers, play in raising up children to love Jesus and to follow him throughout their lives. But before we get into the message today, will you join with me as we pray to our awesome King Jesus? Father, we thank you and praise you for your goodness and mercy in our lives. We thank you and praise you, God, for all the generosity of time and of treasure giving towards wings of refuge through this target trafficking event yesterday. Thank you for the weather that accommodated. God, to you be all praise, honor, and glory. And we pray that the money given would be simply seed money that would continue to expand and reproduce and so that one day we can say that trafficking has been eliminated here in the United States and around the world. Father, we, we come to you as broken people. We ask that you would forgive us of our sins, restore our day-to-day -day relationship with you, fill us with your Holy Spirit, stir up your Holy Spirit in our hearts that our thoughts, our words, our actions, our attitudes would truly be led by you, that we would treat others as you would treat them, that we would love others as you would love us, that you would help us to raise our kids in the way that you would want us to raise our kids. Father, as, uh, we ask that you would guide us into your word today and teach us what we need to know and apply it to our lives this week. It's in the holy, precious name of King Jesus we pray. Amen. As children are to obey their parents, submitting to their authority in the home, fathers and mothers are to intentionally teach their children to love and follow Jesus. So let's read together these four verses in chapter 6 of the book of Ephesians. I'll be reading from the New International Version. It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, 
Do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Children, obey your parents. This is repeated in Colossians 3.20. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. In fact, did you know, did you recognize that even Jesus himself, while he walked this earth, obeyed his earthly parents when he was a child? Luke 2, 51, 52, and it says he grew in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and man. Before we dive in, a little historical and cultural context is helpful here. When Paul wrote this passage, he was living in the Roman culture. Rome was in control of the, was the world power at the time. And in the Roman world, the father was essentially the dictator in the home. Women had little few rights. Children had even less value and rights in that culture. In fact, if a child was born and the father did not want that child, the child could be discarded in the trash or given into a foster home to be raised to a life of slavery. We are not far today from where the Romans were centuries ago, where children seem to have little value in our culture. Church, we need to pray that God would change this, and he is. But children had almost zero value in that culture. Jesus Christ changed all that. Christianity changed all that. And by Paul merely mentioning and addressing specifically children in the churches here, he rightly elevates them to their proper loved status in the home. Don't overlook that fact. That was a huge countercultural thing that took place. They are loved by God and have a proper role in the family structure. They are to obey their parents in the Lord. This, by the way, means that if parents ask their child to do something ungodly or something against God's truth, the child is to politely decline and follow God's truth. Acts 5.29, Peter says, we must follow God rather than men. But that can be difficult if a child does not know what is right and what is wrong. But it's the parent's role, your role and mine, to teach them the Bible, to teach kids to love and serve Jesus all the days of our lives. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Psalm 127, verses 3 and 4, remind us that children are a heritage from God a blessing from God, an offspring, a reward from him, like arrows in the hands of a warrior, are children born in one's youth. Children are to obey parents in the Lord, for this is right. They're to honor their father and mother. We are all commanded by God to honor our father and mother. At whatever age you are right now, you are to honor your father and mother, to treat them with dignity and respect. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. It's the fifth of the Ten Commandments that God gave his people Israel through Moses. 
says, honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Moses repeats it in Deuteronomy chapter 6, in other places, Deuteronomy 11. But Moses says in Deuteronomy 6 that these are the commands, the Ten Commandments and all the commands of God that the Lord your God has given to me to teach you. Moses is saying to the people of Israel, so that you, your children, and your children after them may Fear or respect the Lord, your God, as long as you live by keeping all his decrees, all his laws, all his commands that I give you so that you may enjoy long life. And then he goes on to say in verse 6, chapter 6, Deuteronomy 6, 6, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Samantha and I in our home, uh, if you ever come to our home and you go into the bathroom and you go throughout our home, you'll see Bible verses written on note cards scattered everywhere where we will see them. So when you're sitting down in the bathroom, you see Bible verses. When you're looking at the mirror, you see Bible verses. When you're looking at the refrigerator, you see Bible verses. Everywhere where people congregate in our home, you will see Bible verses. And I think that's the spirit that that Moses wants to get across to his people. Now, I have Bible verses in my office. People like to think I'm all spiritual. I tell them, I forget, so I cheat. I put them on my wall, so when you ask for help or something, I can say, oh, here's a great Bible verse that has helped me in the past. So now you know my secrets, okay? But write God's word on your hearts. And the best way we do that is even if it's writing them and putting them on the wall so that we can constantly be filled be reminded of God's truth. Parents are instructed to teach and to disciple and to raise up their children to know God, to love him, and to serve him. Deuteronomy 11 reminds us of that again. Teach these words to your children wherever you go. Wherever you go, so that your days and the days of your children will be many in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors and as many as the days that the heavens are above the earth. Paul also reminds us to, we need to honor our father and mother. How do we do that? We honor our father and mother by obeying them when we're young, when we're living in the home, when we're children in the home, living under our parents' roof. But when we grow up, when we leave the home, We can honor our father and mother by showing them great respect and loving them. Even if we may occasionally disagree with them, we show our gratitude for the many sacrifices our parents made to us to do their best with the tools they had to help us grow and to help us love Jesus. Church, Here's something I want you to to do. If you haven't done this already, tell your parents how much they influenced you. And especially, especially as followers of Jesus Christ, tell them thank you 
for pointing them to him. And maybe they didn't do a great job doing that, but find some way to tell them thank you for doing the best they can, they, they could with what they had. I know that some have had terrible parents growing up, and I feel for you. But I want to encourage you. Continue to look for the things of God in them. Continue to look for wise things in them, things in them that helped you along the way. Look for the good and praise them for that. One of the things I want to encourage you also to do, and this may be hard, but stop blaming your parents for not being God. Stop blaming your parents for not being perfect. None of us are perfect. We all mess up. I mess up. We all mess up. Ask God to help you forgive them. Because when God changes your heart, guess what? He alone can help you truly honor your parents. Even if your parents are gone, you can still forgive them in your heart. And you can experience freedom in Christ. We honor our parents so that all will go well with you. You know, there are many advantages to children obeying our parents, right? Just a few key ones. These seem pretty obvious, but when a child is warned by their parents away from harm, that's a good thing. They're spared bad habits, perhaps. They're spared from hanging out with with bad people that influence them in in a negative way, which may lead to a shortened life if they don't. Right? <clears throat> By obeying their parents, the child will develop healthy habits and healthy character traits which prolong their lives. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord, the res- deep respect of the Lord, adds length to life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. Children are to obey their parents both in practice and in attitude. Um, not to be like that child when, when he was told to sit, when he wanted to stand up at the dinner table, he finally obeyed, but he looked at his parents and said, I may be sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. Anybody ever felt like that? He finally obeyed, but in his heart, he still needed a change. Lord, change my heart that I can truly follow you. And then the last section here, verse 4, I'm going to spend more time on this. It says, fathers, don't exasperate your children. Or other versions might say, don't provoke your children to anger. Colossians 3.21, Paul says something similar. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Paul here addresses fathers. This is interesting. Why? He had just given part of the family structure in the end of chapter 5. The father, the man, is to be the head of the home, empowered by the Holy Spirit. He is to lead his wife like Jesus as a servant leader, ready to die, ready to give up his, his life, ready to give up his dreams to sacrifice for her. 
but the father is also responsible to also lead and set the tone for he and his wife to parent their children in a godly way. To parent their kids, to make sure that he and his wife parent them well. That's why Paul is addressing specifically fathers. And I want to share something in a little bit that I think helps with this. I think one of the things in our culture today, the reason why we have um, a, a lot of uh, disobedience and things like that is the absence of godly fathers in the home. God designed it this way for fathers to be Christ-like servant leaders in the home. And when that doesn't take place, then we need a substitute. We need the church. We need other, other godly men to play that role in the home. And we do that. But here are some ways that fathers can provoke their kids to anger. When a father criticizes their child more than they encourage them, maybe, maybe a parent has unattainable or unrealistic expectations of their child and continuously criticizes that child. This can provoke the child to anger. When a father plays favorites in the home. There's many examples in the Old Testament. Jacob or Israel in the Old Testament, he favored Joseph, right? Gave him a nice coat, and, and, but this angered the other 11 sons. And the rest is history. The sons got mad at Joseph, sold him into slavery, ended up in Egypt. Father's... Don't provoke your kids to anger. A father can do that by playing favorites. Another way fathers can provoke their kids to angers is when they are abusive. And I know many of you have experienced this as well, unfortunately. Physical abuse, verbal, emotional, spiritual, sexual, it can provoke kids to anger. I'll never forget... My wife and I were on a mission trip to Ukraine back in 2007. And part of our mission was to go to orphanage and do free dental work. I wasn't doing any dental work. I was just playing soccer with the kids. But, but we were playing with these orphans. And we got to talk to these orphans, many of whom have been abandoned by their families. One girl, I'll never forget, she probably wasn't, you know, 10, 12 years old. She told me one time, she said, I want to grow up to be a policewoman because then I can arrest my dad for abusing me. Abuse can provoke to anger your children. Fathers who are absent or negligent can also provoke to anger. Oh, a father can be there physically, but absent emotionally, too busy doing other things, prioritizing jobs or hobbies or other things more than family. Another way they can provoke kids to anger is to publicly humiliate their children and thus provoke to anger. Publicly criticizing our kids, especially in front of our friends. 
Another way to provoke to anger if a father is inconsistent in his living or in his discipline, constantly saying one thing but doing another. Another way a father can provoke to anger is by having no fun with their kids in their life. I hope I'm a dad that loves to have fun, you know. I may not have the best dad jokes, but, you know, we, we try our best to have fun. Oh, by the way, I do have another dad joke. This is probably a good time for this. This is heavy stuff. But I talked to a park ranger, and he said, this area of the park here has no, not a single mosquito in it because they all got married and had kids, and they had kids, and not a single mosquito I digress. Let's go back to the. <clears throat> have fun with your kids. Dads, have fun with your kids. Another way fathers can provoke to anger is by being stingy and never generous. There may be times where you just need to go get ice cream. Have fun with your kids and be generous. If a father lacks humility and lacks a repentant heart, it could also provoke a child to anger. I read of a pastor who interviewed juveniles in prison, and he asked them, what could have been different in your life? What could have changed you so that you would not have ended up here? Their responses pretty much mirrored this list. They said, I wish my dad would have given me clear boundaries. I wish my parents would have disciplined me, but encouraged me, would have loved me, would have pointed me in the right direction. I don't know about you, but when I hear a list like this, I see myself failing. And maybe you felt like that too. Maybe you feel pretty discouraged right now as a dad. There is hope in Jesus Christ. Here are some steps that we can take to try not to provoke our kids, but to help them love God and love others as well. Number one, number one, and these are not in any particular order, but be involved in their lives. Pl go play catch with them in the backyard. Do things they are interested in. You know, I grew up with girls. There are many times where I, I'm sure I put on, you know, crazy outfits and had tea parties and played with dolls, and I loved every minute of it. Spend time with your kids. Get to know what they're interested in. Show them that you care. This is probably the single most important one on the list. Model Christ-like love and living in the home. And at work. And in public. Live consistently for Jesus. This means you got to get to know Jesus yourself. This means you got to read the Bible yourself. This means you got to pray to God yourself. This means that you got to ask God and tell him, I'm a mess, God, but I need your help. Help me to live for you and help me to live consistently for you. It is so true. Kids are more, yeah, uh, our, our truth that we want to teach our kids are more caught than taught. Teach our kids life lessons along the way. Deuteronomy 6, 
throughout life, as you're walking down the path, as you're at the grocery store, as you're doing things, tell them stories from your past. Tell them how you failed, but how God helped you overcome. Don't leave our kids guessing what is right, what is wrong. Don't leave our kids guessing that if they mess up, they're not a failure in life, that God can help them overcome because you've seen it in your life. Tell them. Here's another key one. Encourage your kids. Validate them. Kids, like we all, need encouragement. I once read about a kid who said, I know I am somebody special because my dad tells me I'm special. Encourage your kids. Let them know that they are loved by God and loved by you, and they have something valuable to offer to others. I love how in Luke chapter 9, verse 35, this is the transfiguration of Jesus in front of um, Peter, James, and, 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 and John up on the mountain. And a voice was heard, God the Father. It says, a voice came from the cloud saying, this is my son whom I have chosen, whom I love. Listen to him. I think from that passage, we, we can learn something as well. We, too, can tell each of our kids, this is my son, this is my daughter, whom I deeply love. And here are some things that they are good at. Here are some character traits I see in them that I am proud of. Wow. Your kids can live on those compliments, that encouragement, for a long, long time. There are many, many other ways, but I just have another one here for fathers. Have a vision for your family to flourish. What does this mean? You take them to church. You make sure that they read their Bible. Now, um, here's another disclaimer. My wife and I, we pay our kids to read the Bible. Bribery works, and it's perfectly okay, all right? Because our kids are reading the Bible, you make sure they're reading the Bible. You share with them faith stories from your own life. You take the initiative to help them grow in their faith. Here's a key thing. Don't leave this up to the government. Don't leave this up to schools to teach them. Don't leave this up to the church or youth leaders. We have amazing youth leaders here. And they will teach the Bible, but it's primarily your role, parent, to teach God's truth to your kids, because you're with them more than we are. You have been given the amazing role as a parent, responsible by God, equipped by God to teach your kids about God, to lead them to Jesus, leave the results to him. We are to bring them up in the Lord, verse 4 says. Parents are teachers, servant leaders in the home. We are to model what God wants in our, in our kids' life. Again, don't leave our kids guessing how to make godly decisions in life. I love Proverbs. Proverbs really is the book on parenting, um, so I'd encourage you to read through that in the Old Testament. Proverbs 22.6 
You may be familiar with this verse. It says, train up a child or start children off on the right way so they should go. Even when they are old, they will not turn from it. This passage literally means to train up a child according to his or her bent, to create a thirst in your child for the things of God. I don't know if you've realized this, but every child is different. Every child has different passions and interests. Each child will have to be disciplined a little different too. Here's a key thing. Do not try to force your child to be the athlete or person that you want them to become or wished you could have become. God has uniquely created your child unique. Spend time getting to know that child and pray, pray, pray. God, how do you want me to raise this child so that they honor you in whatever passions and giftings he has gifted them? Once they leave the home, you've done your job. They are responsible for the choices they make. They are responsible for the consequences of the choices they make. Again, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Ask God to help you take advantage of teachable moments throughout the days, weeks, and years to teach your kids practical life skills, life lessons, and how to follow Christ. Train them. Discipline them in the Lord. Training involves both instruction, that's clear teaching on what God says is true, what is right, and what is the right way to live. Again, don't leave your kids, um, don't leave your kids guessing what is right and what is wrong. Teach them important biblical values about alcohol, about marriage, about sex, about discipline, about education, morality. It also involves discipline, training and discipline. Discipline. When clear instruction is disobeyed, there needs to be some form of consequence or punishment that is appropriate for the offense. This discipline cannot be too harsh or the kids will have an unhealthy fear of their parents and grow bitter against them. Or it cannot be too lenient. Oh, I'll let my kids do anything. They No, they will walk all over you. They'll grow up to be spoiled brats. For some, especially when your children are younger, discipline may involve gentle spanking. Like, I got spanked when I was going up the escalator. That, was, that wasn't fun. But I learned my lesson. Proverbs twenty two fifteen: Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it away. I want to make something very clear. The rod that's being talked about here is not a club to abuse your child but it's a way to let the child know they did wrong and they need to rethink that and not do it again for their own good. Whenever God says don't do something in scripture, he's saying don't hurt yourself. He's a loving God. I want to say this as well. As a word of caution, if you've experienced abuse, especially as a child, I would suggest you find another way of punishment than spanking. Find other ways to discipline your child so that they learn their lesson. And I want to encourage this as well. Never discipline your child when you are angry. You take time to cool off and then properly discipline your child. Um, <clears throat> for us, we would give a timeout. 
In fact, I remember one of our children gave herself a timeout one time and stood in the corner by herself. And like, I don't know what she did, but I guess she's learning her lesson. <laughs> if parents do not appropriately discipline their wayward child, it demonstrates a lack of love for that child. Proverbs 29, verses 17, or 15 and 17, a rod and a reprimand impart wisdom, but a child left undisciplined disgraces its mother. Discipline your children, and they will give you peace. They will bring you the delights you desire. Proverbs 23, 13, and 14, do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish them with the rod, they will not die. Punish them with the rod and save them from death. Whoever spares the rod hates the, ch the child, but the one who loves their children is careful, careful to discipline them. Proverbs 19:18. discipline your children, for in that there is hope, do not be a willing party to their death. Hebrews 12, 6, the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his own child. Hebrews 12, 9 and 11, our human fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our own good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Church. Our parents did the best they could with the parenting tools they had. Each of you as parents, myself included, are doing the best we can with the tools we have. Our job here as a church family is to share other tools that can be helpful for one another. That's why it's so important that we are together in this, right? We need each other. We need to ask other people for their advice. We need to ask other people, how did you discipline your children? What worked? What do you do in situations like this? There's also helpful resources on your bulletin. I would encourage you to check out these websites listed at the bottom of your bulletin. If you didn't get one, grab one on the way out. Godly discipline shows your child that you love them. It spares parents' disgrace. It spares excess anxiety. It teaches the child wisdom. It may even spare his or her life from eternal hell, pointing them to the grace, saving grace of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Godly discipline helps avoid or remove foolishness. It also reflects God's holy character. Listen up, church. When we discipline our kids... It must always, always, always be done in the spirit of love. Not in anger, not in revenge, but in the love of Christ. In the hope of restoration, in the hope of moving that child closer to Jesus. Always tell your kids you love them. Always encourage them. We are to instruct them in the Lord. Now, there are a number of biblical examples of um, people who failed, dads who failed. One of them in the Old Testament, 1 Samuel chapter 3, uh, chapters 2 and 3, talk about the high priest named Eli who did not discipline or instruct his kids. They grew up 
spoiled brats. Basically, they stole from the temple. They philandered with women. They abandoned God. They made a disgrace of God and disgrace of their parents. So God took them out. It shows the importance of teaching our kids starting at an early age to know, live, and love Jesus. That means we need to do that as well. King David was also a passive father, and his kids ended up messed up too. Again, parents do the best we have to follow Jesus and make sure our kids follow Jesus too. And I will say this. Sometimes we can do the best we can, help pointing people to Jesus. But you know what? Our kids grow up, and they make their own decisions. And so sometimes you can have one child that's following Jesus, and and this is awesome, and you got another child over here that, what in the world happened? They're wandering away. They're, they're not following Jesus. What happened? And too often we look at ourselves as we're a failure. God does not see you as a failure. You did the best you could with the tools you had, but they are responsible for their choices. But pray for them. Because I love how Tony Evans would, would always say, God can take a crooked, crooked arrow and hit the bullseye every time. Maybe that arrow is is in this direction and the bullseye is over here. God can provide a wind. He can provide other people. He can provide life circumstances to draw that child back to him. Invite other people to pray with you for your wayward kids. And watch what God does. There's no promise, but God will change your heart in the process as well. I read a story of a dad who took his child mountain climbing, and as the dad reached a point in the trail where he had to decide which uh, was the best way forward, he heard a voice behind him from his young son. Choose the right path, dad. I'm following right behind you. Our children need our direction and our guidance because they're following right behind us. Are you following Christ? so that our kids can follow you as you follow Christ, as our grandkids can follow you as they follow Christ, as you follow Christ. And I want you to know it's not over when we make mistakes. Our children need to know it's not over when they make mistakes. Why? Because there is always mercy and grace and forgiveness and second chances at the cross. Jesus Christ offered all of us hope for new life in him. He offers forgiveness of sins. He offers new life through him, and he empowers us with his Holy Spirit to make better decisions moving forward. Have you placed your trust in Christ alone for forgiveness of sin and new life in him? Have you rededicated your life to him, given a new chance? Help me, God. Help me to know I'm not a failure. Help me to see myself as you see me, as your perfectly loved child and give me your wisdom and guidance and strength moving forward. What a God we serve. Because there will be mountains and there will be paths along the way that we really won't know which way to turn. We need help. Let us turn to him for help. So today, maybe you're here and you feel, man, I blew it. My kids are already grown and I just feel like I didn't parent them the best. God is still at work in their lives. 
And God loves your kid more than you do. And God won't give up on your kid. Sometimes we might. But God loves your child. You pray to that God, and you invite other people to pray and help you and, and support you along the way, because it's hard. We need each other's support. But your kids are making their own choices, and God will hold them accountable. But God can take a crooked arrow and hit a bullseye every time. Let us put our trust in him. Will you pray with me as we conclude and as our worship team comes forward? <clears throat> Father, we thank you that essentially you're telling us the best way to parent our kids is to love you, Jesus, with all our heart, mind, and soul and strength. The best way to parent our kids is to love our spouse and to pray for our kids daily for them to come to love you and follow you too. God, thank you for loving me. In the times where I have wandered from you, but you didn't give up on me, you, your deep love reaches out to me. In the far corners of the world, Lord, we thank you for reaching out to those who um, we may consider completely lost. Father, I pray that you would bring healing to the hurts in our lives. Give us the right perspective in our hearts as parents, as imperfect as we are, because you are the perfect parent. Let us turn our eyes, our gaze to you. Lord, you direct our paths moving forward. You remind us that we are loved by you, that we are cherished by you. Encourage us through your word, God, so that we can encourage our kids with that truth as well. Oh, God, we are so grateful for your love for me, your love for your children, even your wayward children. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.